I just want to take a few moments this morning just to look at Isaiah chapter 9, so that reading that we had in the Old Testament, and the last part of the last verse of that passage, that's verse 7, where it talks about the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And the this is everything that went before it, in particular, about this child who is going to be born. There's a lot else in that passage. Maybe you didn't understand everything that was in that passage, but it was talking about how times are going to change and particularly focusing in on a part of Israel, the country we call it, where the Lord Jesus actually was going to do his ministry. Galilee of the Gentiles and Zebulun and Naphtali, two of the tribes of Israel who lived. Their location, their tribal inheritance was in that area, precisely where the Lord Jesus was going to go, be born, well, that's in Bethlehem, be born, but live, grow up, Nazareth, and do the bulk of his work. So that's what it was saying. And how good times were coming. They'd known a lot of bad times in that part of the world. Oppression that had conquering nations. They had been under the yoke. But things were going to change. And the coming of this son that was going to be born, this child that we were going to receive, that this was going to be in that part of the world where his light was going to come, where people who are sitting in darkness were going to rejoice. So a bit of context to what we have before us. The title of the sermon is this, Planning for Christmas. Planning for Christmas, or oh, getting ready for Christmas, I expect. Quite a lot of you good people are doing that. Your families are doing that. We're doing that. Getting ready for Christmas. Don't forget to collect your cards. Some folk there might have a present or two waiting to collect. But there we are. People have been getting ready for Christmas Wrapping presents, writing out cards, remembering different people, visiting here, visiting there. Some people, how about this? I've read this. Some people start planning next Christmas on Boxing Day. So a year beforehand, they're thinking, what didn't I get right? What went wrong? Oh, I forgot them that time. Right. Next time, get that. So they're making their list already. Well, how about that? Follow that if you dare. Uh, but uh, there we are. We're wanting to get the details right. And we want to be able to source the things that we want to give to people. They've run out this year. We need to get there a week earlier. They didn't have any in the shops this time. Avoid disappointment next time. Planning for Christmas. Yet, well, try planning for Christmas. Planning for this Christmas carol service. Well, we didn't know how many people were going to be sick. How many people are going to be away. How many people, well, the weather. We didn't know quite what the weather was going to be when we planned that we'd have the carol service this morning, however many months ago that we did that. Maybe you found that uh, things that you wanted, they weren't in stock. What you wanted to get your mom and, and your dad there. I'm looking at the few faces there as I say that, but the thing wasn't in stock maybe. Oh dear. Plans sometimes don't quite turn out right. And then if we cast our minds back two years, well, it was COVID. Thank you, say for reminding me of that. But we had COVID and uh, it was a strange, strange carol service, I recall, us having that particular year. 
Well, my first heading this morning is this. God spoke about Christmas in time past. If there's somebody there who planned for Christmas, got things ready for Christmas, it was God. And here is the prophet Isaiah. That's his name. Lived 700 plus years before the Lord Jesus came. And here he is saying, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And the list of names that apply to him, he's wonderful, counselor and mighty God. And so the list goes on. Well, that's the Lord Jesus, friends. That's the Lord Jesus over 700 years before the event. God was getting ready for the birth of his son for Christmas, our celebration of Christ over 700 years before. Why, indeed, you could take it further than that. And you could go back right to the beginning of our existence in the Garden of Eden, actually. And he promised him then, getting ready for Christmas thousands of years before the event. Well, how about that? Would you start preparing, I don't know, for something in 700 years' time? Uh, providing for future, 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 future family. Imagine that. That's five years is plenty enough, maybe you'd say, for us to try and plan ahead. I think it's difficult enough to know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone 700 years. How could you plan for anything like that? Except that's exactly what God did. And when God spoke these words through the prophet Isaiah and through other prophets, a man called Micah, he prophesied about where Christ would be born and other people spoke about what the Lord Jesus Christ would do when he came. And God speaks about it with great confidence. Well, I tell you this, 700 years from now, the Lord hasn't returned. I'm not going to speak here in any sense and try and tell you what I think will be happening in 700 years' time. Why I wouldn't try and tell you what is happening in five years' time, let alone that length of time. Yet God can speak with absolute confidence and with great conviction and with great knowledge, great purpose that he can speak about such future, future events. In fact, he's given us a book, the Bible, that is telling us about future events with certainty, with absolute authority, telling us, I am telling you and I know what I'm talking about. And so God spoke about Christmas in time past. My next heading, God's zeal. Because that's what he's saying. In 700 years, though he doesn't say it here, he doesn't tell the people then how long this will be, but we know now that's how long it was. He's saying all these things will happen and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That's how you can be sure it will happen. And all the other things that are here in this book of prophecy and indeed anywhere else in the Bible, this is how you know, because the zeal the Lord of hosts will perform this. Well, the Lord of hosts, we think, we're absolutely sure exactly in how to understand that, but it means he commands the armies of heaven or the angels, like the angel Gabriel, who we were hearing about there in the Bible a moment ago. And 
all of that angelic host, these powerful, powerful beings that uh, he, he runs that. He, he commands them. So this is who is speaking. And he has great zeal. There's a word, zeal. What's that about? Well, the word zeal really means heat. You've got a real sort of burning heat about this, that this is how strongly you feel about something and how much energy you're going to put into this red hot. So this is what God is saying. My purpose in this is absolutely engaged and I am red hot about it and I am going to make sure it all of it, all of it happens. Now, I don't know whether they say this so much, but you used to hear, maybe I have to put it in past tense, that you used to hear people say, I will give 110%. You know, if they're starting a new job, I'm going to give 110% to this. Quite impressive, isn't it, that? Sometimes hear football managers say, I'm going to give my, yeah, 110% to this. You know, team sort of languishing somewhere down the table there and, uh, a new manager comes in. Well, it's good talk. But wait a minute, manager. Have you, have you got the squad that quite will kind of come up with that? You can give you 110%, but if your squad's not particularly good, you're not going to get the results. And he'll be, you know, history within six months or so. And fans have got fed up with him and he's been pushed out. And so much for 110%. And if the opposition are strong, well, you can bring all the energy you want, but if the other team's better than your team, uh, you're not going to get far. It was England's World Cup campaign. Uh, the wheels fell off that, didn't they, there? But God, when he says that he will make something happen, the zeal that he brings, if we can say his 110% is meant, and he'll be able to do it. He will get the results that he is predicting here. And you can count on it. And all his energy and that red hot passion is going to be put into achieving that end. If he says a child is going to be born, a son is going to be given, the government will be on his shoulder and that his name will be called. These are all names actually that tell us that the Lord Jesus is God as well as man. And you can be absolutely sure that it will happen because God knows the future from the past and he knows everything in between. And he's not sort of, let's wait and see. We'll try this out. Oh dear, I have to go to plan B or plan C or plan D. We do with the weather, don't we? Whatever. But he doesn't have to do that because he can see that end and desires that end. All his will is invested in making that happen. And so he's not having to sort of make his plans a bit tentative. Well, I don't know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, they hope to go and see their family over in Manchester at Christmas, but we've got to wait on on the weather there. We're just talking about the weather up in the high peak. You can never be sure what you're going to find when you get up in the hills. So it's all a bit tentative. Wait, We'll wait and see. We'll see what it looks like on the day. But God doesn't have to do that and from God's perspective when he said about this son being born as if he could just see it happening in all its detail the details we've been reading about and the people who've been involved and and the places and 
Oh, and that manger, and, and as in that outhouse, or that stable in, in Bethlehem, and Augustus having his, his, his tax collecting year, all of that. And he could see all of that. And he could make all of it, therefore, happen, because it all, he just holds it in his view. And he's fully invested, therefore, in making that happen. So he saw his son's birth, and he saw his son's life, and he saw his son's death and his resurrection, and that he would then come, be received up into heaven, all of it. And he could say, it will happen because I will do everything necessary to make it happen. And you can count on that. And so his power and his desire and his purpose, his zeal behind all of these things, guaranteed that whatever Isaiah said would surely would most definitely happen. Now, it's not as if there weren't people who tried to stop it happening. All right, throughout the history of the Lord's people here in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, the opposition, the times people tried to destroy them and the hope that they had of the, the Son of God coming, well, they tried to kill that off. You'll know too that when the Lord Jesus was born, Herod the Great, the king in Jerusalem, did his level best to kill this, this threat to his throne while still there in the cradle. And for good measure, just to be on the safe side, killed all of the young males in and around Bethlehem. A hatred, the opposition. And yet you'll know too that the Lord warned Joseph there, warned the wise men about Herod. The child was taken to safety into Egypt. And so all that plan of evil men to make God's plan not happen couldn't avail, couldn't work. And Herod was full of zeal. And if you went back in the Old Testament, there was Haman trying to kill all the, the Jews in, in Babylon. And that failed. Put a lot of energy into it. But he couldn't match God's energy and God's zeal that he, the Lord of hosts, will perform this. So my final heading is this. It all has a purpose. All, all of this, all that we're talking about here, the better part of what we consider at Christmas, it all has a purpose. This isn't just a, wow, fancy that sort of story. It isn't just amazing and angels and virgin births and born in a manger and <laughs> the oxen standing by and that's the son of God. Well, it was all amazing stuff. But it's not just so as to kind of give us a story and a half to think about. It's not just um, God flexing his muscles just to sort of show us what he can do, that he does this sort of stuff. This, this is sort of God-level stuff, and I do this stuff. Not just doing it for the sake of performance or just for the sake of show. You'll notice what it says in what we read in Isaiah. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. All this zeal, all this energy, purpose, power, desire to bring to pass these things. All these opponents who are shut down here and shut down there, disappointed on that front, disappointed on that front. All of this is for us, actually. People, very, very ordinary people. Not people who are amazing people. Very, very ordinary people. It's for us. All of it is for us, for your sake, 
and my sake. But here's something. We need to see it. We need to see it. We can read it. We can sing it. But if you don't see it, if you don't realize, ah, what this means, what it means for it to be for us and unto us, then the whole thing will pass you by. And here's the most difficult part of it, that we need to see that we need a savior, that unto us, sinful people, unto us, lost people, unto us, people who are far away from God, with little thought of him, little interest in him, whose minds are elsewhere and whose hearts are chasing this and chasing that. Not very good things often that we're chasing there. Angry people and people who love money and people who are greedy and those kind of people, unto us, unto them, unto people like you, unto people like me. And the hardest thing for us to admit is that that is what we are. We always want to think ourselves okay. And we want to think ourselves okay in front of each other. And if we believe there's a God, we like to think we're okay with him. And the gods may not be happy with some of the things we do, but it's no big deal, right? Wrong. It's a very big deal. And God will judge us. Judge us. He will punish us. He will deal with us very, very strongly. There's zeal, and the zeal is in his law as well. He's red hot, 110% about his law. And we'll know that one day, and we'll feel that, and then it'll be too late. But you see, here, while we are perhaps living in our darkness, suddenly the light has come to show us you do need saving from your sin, that you and I fall short of the glory of God. And now to us is given a saviour to save us from our sin. It was in the reading, wasn't it? You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. That's what he came to do. This is the purpose of it. This is where God's zeal, his, his energy and his desire to see this done is being put into. Not just for show, not just for a nice story, but actually for a very real purpose in order that we can be saved from our sins, not be punished, not be judged for them. Because, of course, you know, this child moved on through life and eventually found his way to die upon a cross, to be punished there for your sin, my sin, if we will believe in him. He bears our losses there. He bears our condemnation. He bears where God says that that is wrong. We've thought wrongly, acted wrongly. That his son could bear that punishment for those things in himself. Unto us is this child born. Unto us, sinful people, this son is given. And here we are. And you and I can cry out to that God today for mercy. You and I can. We can say, may it be for me indeed. This was done unto me for my sake. Then I need that. And you call upon his name, will you? You call upon him, however old you are, whatever place you started out today. You call upon him and you will taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, you will, you'll want to sing and you'll want to say of the son of God, he is wonderful. He is a counsellor, he's an advisor, he's got such wisdom. He's a mighty God. 
I realised in this frail flesh of this child born in Bethlehem, actually, there is God, God of God, truly God, as we were singing. Yeah, you'll see that. The everlasting Father, Father of eternity, the Lord of time and space, the Prince of Peace, bringing us peace, peace with God. You call upon him, please. You call upon him, I urge you, and that you will find eternal life, which is the best gift that you'll ever get, the loan at Christmas gift, the best gift any day of the year that you can have. Turn, turn to him, forsake all wickedness, forsake darkness, come, please, come to the light. I urge you this morning, and any who may be hearing this recording, if it goes out, you come to him, because unto us, This child is born, unto us a son is given. And even this, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He'll actually come to you, bless you with understanding. His zeal will push away your misunderstanding and your lack of desire. And all of the the emptiness of your heart, he'll fill you with light, goodness, his love and power. And you will find indeed that God has been planning a very wonderful Christmas for you and for me. And that those plans were happening in eternity past. Here we are today on this dark, rather grey, rather cheerless December morning. Speaking about the most wonderful, heartwarming things that any human being can tell another human being. I commend Christ to you this day. Amen.